the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. In terms of intention and location and description of heaven, the intention of heaven is this. It is the habitation of God and the eternal home for those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is the purpose of heaven. It is presently occupied by God. He's on the throne. And those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, when they die, their spirit separates from their body, and they go to be with the Lord in His presence in heaven. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary's current message series is Answers to the Questions You Thought We Missed. What are some questions that you have regarding heaven and hell? Maybe something like, where exactly are they located? Who lives there? Or what are they like? Today, Pastor Gary will answer some of these basic questions regarding the intention, description, and location of heaven and hell. He will describe heaven to be God's dwelling place, but it is also where believers of Christ will reside with God. So today, some of your questions will be answered, but there are many more that only God can answer. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part one of today's message, Heaven and Hell. Well, I want to start out by asking you a question. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky, friends. Imagine all the people. Just living for today. Now, um, 1971, John Lennon wrote and performed that song. It was number three on the Billboard Top 100. Friends, when you come to Cornerstone, you get some goodies but oldies. That song came to my mind because... That's a song about wanting there to be no eternity beyond here and now. Imagine all the people just living for today. No hope of anything beyond this life. This is as good as it gets. 
sometimes our wrong theology will be shaped often by reality. And I wonder what John Lennon thinks now. I don't know his heart, so I don't intend to judge the man at all. But um, he's experiencing life after death somewhere. The Bible speaks about heaven and hell as realities. And so we're going to approach it from that standpoint. Before I get asked the question, I'm just going to say right up front, there have been some books written about people who've had life after death experiences, 90 minutes in heaven, 23 minutes in hell, to name a couple of books, for example. Look, I'm not here to debate all of the points within those personal experiences, but I will say this, I don't, and I don't want you to, draw your understanding of heaven or hell from what people say that they may have experienced in their own personal lives. The authority for what we need to understand in regards to the topic of heaven and hell is really the authority of Scripture. And sometimes when you read books like 90 Minutes in Heaven or 23 Minutes in Hell, not everything necessarily lines up with Scripture. And so what I want to do with us is review the things that the Bible says. And so already I'll tell you just, you know, for those of you, you don't really claim to have a relationship with God. And, but I just I want you to know the vantage point I'm coming from right out of the gate is that scriptures, that the Bible is the authority for the topics of heaven and hell. I'm not putting down people who talk about their personal experiences. I just, I can't validate it. And the only sure thing I know is what Scripture says in relation to the topics of heaven and hell. So what I intend to do tonight is first, I'm going to look at the topics of heaven and hell. We're going to start with the topic of hell because I thought, let's finish on a high note. But we're going to start with hell, and then we're also going to talk about heaven. And we're going to talk about three things in particular. We're going to talk about intention, location, and description. Intention, what was the intention behind hell? What's the intention behind heaven? Where are they located, and how are they described in the Bible? So that's the direction we're going to go. And as I start into this topic, I'm reminded of some advice from Charles Spurgeon, the great 19th century British preacher, who said to his students... He was trying to instruct them, when you get into the pulpit and you start teaching on these subjects, when, when you speak on the topic of heaven, let your face radiate with the glory of God. And when you speak on the topic of hell, just your regular face will do. <laughs> so I, I'm going to start out with just a regular face, and then I hope when we get to heaven, uh, that topic, um, it'll be a little more radiant. First, on the topic of of hell. So we're going to look here at intention, uh, location, and description. And I put some slides up here for you. I put some scripture verses for you. Hopefully I won't go too fast for you who might be taking notes. Uh, but first let's talk about intention. What is the intention uh, behind hell? And before I even specifically talk about uh, the intention, I want to make this point clear from scripture. And that's this, that God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. 2 Peter 3.9, which says he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And in addition, he takes no pleasure in the death of anyone, including the wicked. Ezekiel 18.32 says, For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord, repent and live. And Ezekiel 33.11 says, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. 
I remember several years ago, I was at an event down on Capitol Hill the day that Osama bin Laden was killed, and ABC News is there, and I was at an event where it was, you know, Christian and pastors were there, and so they put a microphone in front of my face and a camera, and they're like, you know, what do you think as a Christian about the death of Osama bin Laden? The fact of the matter is, in my flesh, I was glad for his death. But when I consider God's heart, he does not take pleasure in the death even of the wicked. Because God doesn't want anyone to be separated from him. So we should never celebrate the death of the wicked because that's a grievous thing to God. It's grievous when people reject him, when people don't know him and are separated from him eternally. So I want to start by saying that in relation to hell, we need to understand that God doesn't want anyone to go there that he takes no pleasure in the death of anyone and particularly no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Well, then you might ask, why did he allow hell to even exist? So here's the short answer. Hell was originally intended for Satan and the angels who joined him in rebellion against God. This is what Matthew 25, 41 says. Jesus says, he's teaching at the end of the parable, and he says, and then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So you can see there that Jesus said the original design for hell was for Satan and his angels. You see, even before the book of Genesis, because we don't have all of the record related to the rebellion of Lucifer. We just know that he did. Jesus even said, I saw Satan, Lucifer, fall like lightning from heaven when God cast him out of heaven to earth. But what we do know, putting scripture together, is that at one point, Satan was the chief of the angels in heaven. He rebelled against God, and he led a rebellion with other angels in heaven. Revelation 12 implies it was a third of the angels. How many are a third of the angels? We don't even know how many that might number. But they rebelled with him. They were expelled from heaven. Jesus tells us here in Matthew 25, 41, that that was the original design and intent for hell, that God created hell as a place of judgment for Satan and the angels who rebelled with him. Now, what that means, though, for us is that those who join in Satan's rebellion against God by rejecting Jesus as Savior will likewise experience the same ultimate punishment. Now, Satan is not presently in hell, but that's why hell was created. Satan is on a leash. He's allowed still to roam the earth along with his fallen angels, otherwise known as demons. But their ultimate uh, place of judgment will be eternal torment in hell, which will then be cast into the lake of fire where they will forever perpetually be tormented. There's a misunderstanding about hell that some hold, and they think that it is annihilation. It's not annihilation. When those who are sentenced to hell, and they are sentenced to hell by virtue of their own denial of God, their own rebellion of God, they are perpetually tormented for that rebellion. It is not that you go to hell and you're just burned up and then you are no more. Annihilation is a false doctrine. By the way, even in the church, there's a false doctrine called universalism. And universalism basically teaches that God is so loving that in the end, uh, nobody is really going to go to hell. In fact, in universalism, which is a heretical doctrine, it is believed, therefore, that hell doesn't even really exist. Hell exists. The Bible speaks of it. Jesus refers to it more than he does to heaven. 
and we need to understand it as a place of judgment and a place where God doesn't want anyone to go. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die, to rescue people so that nobody should have to go there. But by our choice and rebellion to God, we could, in that sense, then join Satan's rebellion and likewise end up there. Now, in terms of its location, where is it located? And to piece together a few passages from the Bible, it seems that the place that hell is located is in the center of the earth. Now, I know that's going to disrupt some of you who are like, no, 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 scientists tell us that, you know, the core of the earth is, and by the way, this is a variable. You read some scientists, they say 6,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Others say as much as 13,000 degrees Fahrenheit. No one has ever been there, friends. Okay. No one has ever been to the center of the earth. I will tell you this, they might be on target in terms of it being hot. Because the Bible seems to indicate that that is where hell is located, in the center of the earth. It tells us in Scripture that after Jesus was crucified, his spirit descended to the lower earthly regions when he went to the paradise side of hell. That's Ephesians 4, 9. And in Luke 23, 43, he promised that one thief on the cross that he would be with him in paradise that day. But Ephesians 4 is clear about he descended into the lower earthly regions. And Jesus said he would be there three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, Matthew 12, 40, when he compared his soon-to-be crucifixion and death to that of Jonah. In Matthew 12, 40, he said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So that seems to be where it is. You know, it's interesting. In the 1600s, the Puritans in America had this saying when they would greet each other and they would pass by each other, the first person would say, heaven is high, and the next person in response would say, hell is low. And today that's been abbreviated. We say high and hello, but that actually came from traditional Puritan greeting to remind each other, heaven is high, hell is low. Hi and hello. Those common greetings today came from that Puritan greeting. So the Bible indicates that hell is beneath us. Uh, How far down the very center of the earth? We don't know specifically, but it is beneath us. It is below us. Uh, Then in terms of its description, when we look into scripture as to how hell is described, a few bullet points for you. One it indicates to us that it is a place of eternal fire, but it is non-illuminating and it is non-consuming. I'll explain that in a moment. But here's Matthew 25, 41. It says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I quoted that verse a moment ago, but I want to emphasize the eternal fire part. Mark 9, 48, Jesus talks about hell as the place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So it's a place of perpetual eternal fire, but we know it is not illuminating and we know that it is non-consuming because people are perpetually tormented and it's complete darkness in hell. So it's not illuminating kind of a fire. In Matthew 8 verse 12 it says, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside, this is Jesus speaking, into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to try to imagine darkness. One time I went uh, spelunking. How many of you have ever been spelunking? It's caving, right? That's a fancy word for it. You crawl in caves. And I remember going spelunking into this. We were down deep into the eternal caverns of in Bath County, Virginia, just down deep. And um, it was the darkest darkness I had ever experienced. 
one of the things I remember sensing at that moment was how isolated one feels when you are in complete, utter darkness. So what goes hand in hand with darkness is loneliness because you feel completely isolated from others because you can't, can't see them. It is outer darkness, Jesus describes it, and it is a place of torment and misery. Matthew 13, 42, they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Often in the Bible, uh, that expression, weeping and gnashing of teeth, is used uh, in relation to describing hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a place of misery. It's a place of torment. It also tells us in Scripture, in hell you'll have a conscious, I hope none of you, but a person will have a conscious awareness that something is better but unattainable. There's this whole story in Luke 16, I won't read it, but it talks about how there was a, a rich man who, and, and it isn't because he was wealthy, but it just speaks about his idolatry and he didn't follow God and he goes uh, to the place of torment and he cries out across this chasm to the place uh, called Abraham's side and he begged Abraham, dip your, your finger in water and come over and quench my thirst in this torment. Abraham said, no, I can't come to where you are. And he had this awareness, the one on the torment side had this awareness that there was something better, but he couldn't attain it. So that's tormenting in itself. And then also the Bible says that in hell, one will have the realization of the separation from God's presence. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9, it says that he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. It's interesting because in the Bible, it speaks about there's no place you cannot go that escapes the presence of God. He is omnipresent, but apparently he restricts his presence in some way in hell because there in that verse I just read, they have no ability to be in his presence. It is separated in that sense. So on to heaven. You ready for heaven now? All right. In terms of intention and location and description of heaven, the intention of heaven is this. It is the habitation of God and the eternal home for those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is the purpose of heaven. It is presently occupied by God. He's on the throne. And those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, when they die, their spirit separates from their body, and they go to be with the Lord in his presence in heaven. 1 Kings 8.30 says, uh, Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, Solomon says, and when you hear, forgive. So, God's dwelling place is in heaven. Psalm 103:19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And then when it speaks in the Bible about how we go to be in God's presence, Paul would write there in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 to 8. He says, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body presently on earth, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So Paul writes there and says to us, when you know Christ is your Savior, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And since the Lord's presence, his dwelling place is heaven, then it is pretty clear that one goes to be with the Lord in heaven when you die having known Christ as your Savior. Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven says, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who's, who does rather what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
So that's the intention. God's intention of heaven is the place of his habitation and our eternal home for Christians when we die. Where is it located? Well, the location is somewhere above the earth beyond outer space. It's somewhere above beyond outer space. We know this because in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes about this basically a near-death experience that he has, and he talks about being transported to what he calls in 2 Corinthians 12, the third heaven, the third heaven. And by that, what he means is the first heaven is the earth's atmosphere. So when we talk about the heavens, plural, by the way, the word heaven, singular, is used more than 600 times in the Bible. But then it's also used in a plural way, the heavens. And that's a generic term that speaks about, you know, things that are above. The first heaven is earth's atmosphere. The second heaven is what we would call outer space. The third heaven is where God dwells, which is beyond outer space. So we get that from 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 2. And then also in Psalm 14, 2, this is just one out of many examples where it says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand any who seek God. So it is up above, God looks down, we ascend when we die. How about its description? The Bible talks about what heaven is like. Now, I will say this before I read these verses. There is a difference between heaven presently and what the Bible describes in Revelation as a new heaven and a new earth. Now, the Bible tells us that the present heavens and the present earth will be destroyed and that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And actually what the Bible teaches is that the new heaven will come down to earth and the new city of Jerusalem will actually be located on earth. It will literally be heaven on earth. So what I'm about to read for you from Revelation 21 is actually the description of the new heaven. So this may or may not actually be very descriptive of the present heaven, but it's pretty safe to say that the new heaven will be very similar to the present one, perhaps in a greater way, but this is what we can look forward to ultimately, if not currently. And so what we read from Revelation 21 is that there will be streets of gold. In fact, it talks about the heavenly city being all gold. It also speaks in Revelation 21 of it being strangely transparent so it is something that is colorful yet transparent and it does talk about how there will be gates of pearl there are 12 gates there are three gates on each of the four points of the compass 12 gates in all and the bible says that each gate is a single pearl that's a huge pearl and it talks about foundations of costly stones And then it also tells us in Revelation 21 that heaven is illuminated by the presence of God. There is no need for sun. There is no moon. It is illuminated by the glory of God because of his presence. So let me just read a little bit about this from Revelation 21. This is verses 15 to 23. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long. He measured its wall and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, 
the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold like transparent glass. We'd like to spend more time with you today on Cornerstone Connection, but sadly, we've run out of time. If you missed part of today's message or would like to explore more from this series, you can do so at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Subscribe to our podcast while you're there so you never miss another edition of Cornerstone Connection. You can even take these teachings with you on the go when you download our mobile app. Life is busy, and sometimes fitting in a quiet time becomes a challenge. Well, with the Cornerstone Connection mobile app, you can turn on biblically-based teachings wherever you are, whenever you have the opportunity. Find a link under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. The questions Pastor Gary has been tackling in this series are ones that are important, especially in today's world. Each topic affects not only how we view the world, but also how we interact with the Creator of it and of us. Do you still have questions about what you heard in today's message? If so, we'd like the opportunity to speak with you and pray with you. Give us a call at 703-771-1500. That number again is 703-771-1500. Thanks for tuning in today to Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.